right, welcome back everyone. And this is going to be a little bit different because Amy is not here for this, for this uh, session. She has strep throat. So says she. She does. She told me and uh, she sounded sick. So we have a special guest. Who? You. Me? Yes, my husband, Chris. I mean, you've read, what, first hundred pages or so? Thereabouts. Okay. So you're kind of new as well. Yes. Not that I'm some sort of expert, but the flow might be a little different, and I think that's good. Shake it up a little bit. Amy normally starts us off in prayer. Would you like to start the prayer? No, I'll trust you to do that. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, all right. We're going to, I'm going to say a prayer. This is so different. Lord, thank you. Thank you for, for everything, for the food on our table, for the for the roof over our heads, uh, for our health, for guiding us. Please guide this conversation. Please guide us in everything we do. And thank you for everyone who's who's listening. And, and thank you for letting us spread your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are going to be talking about Exodus chapters 19 and 20. But first we do a recap of Exodus chapters 13 through 18, which is what we spoke about previously. Now the Lord had traveled in front of the Israelites in a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. This is when the Israelites were, were traveling. They, the Pharaoh and his men caught up with the Israelites and the Lord instructed Moses to raise his staff and stretch his hand over the Red Sea to divide the waters so the Israelites may pass and the Egyptians perished. So this is when the uh, he parted the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. The Lord provided mon- uh, manna, the bread, and quail to the Israelites, but they could only gather enough for the day. Do you remember that part? I have never heard them. Uh, manna, yes, mm-hmm. but I've never, ever heard of quail. Yes, he provided quail, but he told them, you can only get enough food for the one day, otherwise the maggots will come and spoil it. So is this from where we get gather us this day our daily bread or give us this day our daily bread? Oh, you know what? I never thought about that. I would imagine so. Just wondering. Yeah, that's a re- that's that's really good. Except on the day before the Sabbath, they could gather enough for two days because he didn't want them working on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day begins at sundown on Friday and ends at sundown on Saturday. Uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro had come to visit, and he noticed how overworked Moses was because he was he was the only one in charge of keeping everything in order and telling everyone what you know what God wanted them to do. And so Jethro had suggested appointing representatives who could assist Moses, just so he could work more efficiently. And that about ra- that's kind of the recap for thirteen through eighteen. Did you want to say anything about that? No. Okay. I have nothing to add. Okay, so let's go to chapter 19. Now, the Israelites, they had been traveling for three months, and they are now camped in front of Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord called to Moses from the mountain, and I was hoping you could read this. It's Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant... Then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Awesome. Thank you. Now, in the notes, it had said that um, that Mount Sinai, which is also called Mount Horeb, 
is one of the most sacred locations in Israel's history. It's located in the south central Sinai Peninsula, mm-hmm. and it's also the mountain where Moses met God in a burning bush. Here, God gave his people the laws and guidelines for right living. They learned the potential blessings of obedience and the tragic consequences of disobedience. Also, it said God had a reason for rescuing the Israelites from slavery. Now he was ready to tell them what it was. Israel was to become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation where anyone could approach God freely. It didn't take long, however, for the people to corrupt God's plan. God then established Aaron's descendants from the tribe of Levi as priests, representing what the entire nation should have been. But with the coming of Jesus Christ, God had once again extended his plan to all believers. We are to become holy, a royal priesthood. The death and resurrection of Christ has allowed each of us to approach God freely. So, you know, what's happening now is, you know, God got the people, got the Israelites out of Egypt. He's, he's been with them the whole way. And now he's starting to uh, teach them why. why. Why did he save them? And starting to, um, he's going to start to give them laws, how to live and to be his people. You got, are you with me on that? No, I am. My question I have is, why did he pick the Israelites? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, because he showed favor towards them, and so mm. he and so he blessed their descendants, their descendants, the, their people. All right. Does that help? It helps. Okay. So it says here. So why did God choose Israel? There are two basic reasons. God was fulfilling a promise to Abraham, which was made in Genesis, and God wanted Israel to serve as a model nation. I was just wondering if picking the Israelites was an arbitrary choice or... No, I think because of Abraham. Okay. That makes sense after you read that. Yeah, because of his faith. And he diligently uh, was obedient to God. Very good. So he blessed them. He blessed his descendants. Okay. Why did God choose Israel as his nation? God knew that no nation on earth was good enough to deserve to be called his people, his treasured possession. He chose Israel not because of anything they had done, but in his love and mercy, he chose Israel in spite of the wrong the nation had done and would do. Why did he want to have a special nation on earth? To represent his way of life, to teach his word, and to be an agent of salvation to the world. All nations on earth would be blessed through Abraham's descendants. Through the nation of Israel, the Messiah, God's chosen son, would be born. God chose one nation and put it through a rigorous training program so that one day it could be a channel for his blessings to the whole world. To, to piggyback on that, in Genesis chapters 15 and 17, God made a covenant with Abraham promising to make his descendants into a great nation. Now that promise was being realized as God restated his agreement with the Israelite nation, the descendants of Abraham. He promised to bless and care for them, and the people promised to obey him. The covenant was thus sealed, but the good intention of the people quickly wore off. Have you made a commitment to God? How are you holding up your end of the bargain? Yeah, you know, because the, I think just like we do nowadays in in 2020, um, you know, the Israelites, they had, you know, they had seen the Red Sea parted. They saw all this stuff. I mean, God was, was traveling with them either in the, the, the cloud or in the fire, but they, it was kind of continuously disobeying. I don't know. I mean, we, we still do that today. It's not like in 2020, we can say, well, yeah, I mean, we have the Bible, but we still, we still disobey every single day. 
Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of the reasons we're all sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Lord had, had wanted Moses to consecrate the Israelites and kind of have them wash their clothes and abstain from sex. And the Lord was going to come down from Mount Sinai in front of everyone, but no one was allowed to touch the mountain or climb up the mountain or death was the consequence. And then to what, what did it mean to consecrate the people? Moses, uh, had to get them physically and spiritually ready to meet God the people were to set themselves apart from sin and even ordinary daily routine in order to dedicate themselves to God. The act of washing and preparing served to get their minds and hearts ready. When we meet God for worship, we should set aside the cares and preoccupations of everyday life. Use your time of physical preparation to get your mind ready to meet God. And that's very true. You know, I think if you have just some quiet time during the day or some people, you know, they put aside... Uh, Bible study time or prayer time, you 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 want that. You just kind of want to clear your head and kind of get in the right frame of mind. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, would you mind reading a little bit more? Sure. Ten. Uh, no, so chapter nineteen, verses sixteen through nineteen. Verses sixteen through nineteen. Mm-hmm. One second here. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke followed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. How amazing would that be? Amazing. So Moses joined the Lord on the top of the mountain where he was told to uh, set apart Mount Sinai as, as holy. And then he also wanted Aaron brought up. So that Aaron is Moses' brother, um, but no one else was to was to come up. Now, did you have any questions? We're going to move on to chapter twenty. Was there anything else in chapter nineteen that you wanted to talk about? No, I'm just wondering if Mount Sinai uh, was no one was to step foot on it, or else they would die. Mm-hmm. How come people can step on it now and they don't get killed? Maybe it was just during that time. Okay, I don't know for sure. I'm just kind of hypothesizing but maybe it was just specifically during that time all right but that's a great question why isn't it holy until forever until the end of days until the end of days right i don't know fair enough that's a good question okay well then let's move on to chapter 20 now chapter 20 is where we actually get into the 10 commandments the first three commandments concern the israelites relationship with god so the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. And I'm going to read the, the note from that part. The Israelites had just come from Egypt, a land of many idols and many gods. Because each god represented a different aspect of life, it was common to worship many gods in order to get the maximum number of blessings. So that's what they were used to. And God's trying to get them out of that mindset. When God told his people to worship and believe in him, that wasn't so hard for them. He was just one more God to add to the list. 
But when he said, you shall have no other gods before me, that was difficult for the people to accept. But if they didn't learn that the God who led them out of Egypt was the only true God, they could not be his people, no matter how faithfully they kept the other nine commandments. Thus God made this his first commandment and emphasized it more than the others. Today, we can allow many things to become gods to us. Money, fame, work, or pleasure can become gods when we concentrate too much on them for personal identity, meaning, and security. No one sets out with the intention of worshiping these things. But, the amount of t- but by the amount of time we devote to them, they can grow into gods that ultimately control our thoughts and energies. Letting God hold the central place in our lives keeps these things from turning into gods. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that part too. It really kind of sums it up. Um, because it is very easy for all of us to lose focus. Mm-hmm. And to become obsessed with um, just kind of peripheral things and, and make it so important in our lives. when it, Maybe it shouldn't be. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for the Israelites, it's specifically, you know... They were so used to the Egyptian way of life where there were there were gods for everything. But now the Lord is saying, okay, no, it's there's it's just me. Yeah. No others. So the second commandment is you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. It says, well, the first commandment tells us who to worship. The second commandment tells us how he is to be worshipped. The Lord God wants to differentiate how he is worshipped compared to all other pagan religions who worship their gods through graven images. The second commandment implies that God is spirit and is to be worshipped and loved spiritually. Are you with me on that one? No, I am. I was just reading with the word deviated a bit from what I'm reading in the Bible. Okay, sure. What does it say there? Oh, let's see here. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below, mm-hmm. which you said that. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. That's what I was reading as you were reading. Because it all depends on which version you have. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the NIV version, the New International Version, you shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So in some of them it says hate me, reject me. This says fathers, whereas that said parents. Okay, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it all just depends on which version you have. So in the New Living Translation version, the NLT, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So all essentially saying the same thing? Yeah, agreed. Okay. 
Okay, I'm glad we went over that. Now, did you have any questions on that? No. No? Okay. All right, so that was the second commandment. If we move on to the third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Is that the long way of saying you shall not take the Lord's name in vain? Yes. Um, the God's name is to be used with care and respect, never taken in vain. The Israelites must never forget that they owe their lives to God and not any other human or divine leader. Yes, I have a question. Okay. I, I may be jumping ahead, but I'm reading the 20 6. So, chapter 20, verse 6. Remember the Sabbath. Excuse me. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Okay, now that's the fourth commandment. Do you want to jump ahead? I'll jump ahead. Okay, let's go to... We're done with... Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. I think that one's pretty straightforward. Okay, go ahead. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But in the seventh day is a Sabbath to you, to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens. So my question is, is in modern society... Everyone goes to church and worships on Sunday. But when I read this, it appears that Saturday is supposed to be the day that we set aside and don't do any work. Whereas everyone works Monday through Saturday and takes Sunday off and doesn't do any work. Saturday is still the Sabbath and a day of rest. However, Sunday is the day of assembly primarily for New Testament believers. Notice I didn't say worship. We must worship God every day. Okay. But what about keeping holy, then, if it doesn't mean go to church? Keeping it holy means keeping it apart as its own day. The word holy means sanctified or set apart. The passages explain it. Six days man shall labor, and on the seventh man will rest, making it a special day apart. It doesn't mean go to church. Now, we have established that the Sabbath is the last day and is about rest. What about the first day? Sunday worship is not grounded in scripture, but it's firmly rooted in tradition. So what I'm hearing, if I'm taking, lest I take this out of context, mm -hmm. is that on Saturday I shouldn't be doing any work. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday? Yeah. You know what, honey? You go do that. Well, I'm if I'm following the scripture. Go ahead. I want you to follow that scripture. So when you ask me on Saturday to do this, that, or the other, I'd be like, ah, that, that's the Sabbath, honey. Okay. What about Sunday? Well... Darn. Got me there. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. But now we know the answer to that. Uh, so, oh, in the notes for that, the fourth commandment instructs the people to keep a Sabbath day, which they could never have done as slaves. They didn't get a day of rest. The fourth commandment instructs the people to keep a Sabbath day, which they could never have done as slaves without working a, sa a Sabbath rest. Just as God created the world in six days and then rested... So the Israelites should work for six days and then and then spend a day resting and relishing God's presence. Okay. Now, the last six commandments regulate the relationships between God's own people. So the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That one's kind of self-explanatory. I don't mm -hmm. know how much farther we have to get into that. No. 
you shall not murder. That's kind of cut and dry. Don't murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Yep. All right. Six, seven, eight. Well, actually, five through eight. Self-explanatory. Nine. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let's talk a little bit more about that one. Giving false testimony means lying in court. God knew that Israel could not survive unless its system of justice was incorruptible. We should be honest in our private dealings as well as in our public statements. In either situation, we give false testimony by leaving something out of a story, telling a half-truth, twisting the facts, or inventing a falsehood. God warns us against deception. Even though deception is a way of life for many people, God's people must not give in to it. Okay, you ready for the Tenth Commandment? You shall not covet. You want to read that one? I just did. Oh, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything belongs to your neighbor. So don't be jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to read the little notes for that? Please. To covet is to wish to have the possessions of others. It goes beyond simply admiring someone else's possessions or thinking, I'd like to have one of those. Coveting includes envy, resenting the fact that others have what you don't. God knows, however, that possessions never make anyone happy for long. Since only God can supply all our needs, true contentment is found only in Him. When you begin to covet, try to determine if a more basic need is leading you to envy. For example, you may covet someone's success, not because you want to take it away from him, but because you would like to feel as appreciated by others as he is. If this is the case, pray that God will help you deal with your resentment and meet your basic needs. That's a big one. I think especially in today's society and with social media, people see things you know, or see people on Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever. I got to tell you, probably 80% is all fabricated. Oh, yeah. And so you're, so people get envious um, of things that aren't even real. They're not even real. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, look at that person. They must have the perfect life and, or they must have this or they, or everything must be great. That's not the case. And oftentimes it's just the show they put on. Right. Right. You know what? It's the show they put on. It, it's very true. You know, you, we've talked, Amy and I have talked about this before, but, um, you may see whoever, whoever in your neighborhood or at school or at the store, and you might think, oh my gosh, so-and-so is so put together or so, so so-and-so must have such a great life. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but everyone's going through something. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe that. Everyone's going through something. I believe that. So don't. You know, don't be jelly. Don't don't be jelly over over something, and especially quote unquote celebrities. Yeah, and and what you may perceive their life to be. Yeah, no, that's very applicable. Now to round out chapter twenty. So there was thunder. We had mentioned it before. There was the thunder and the lightning and the, and the trumpets and the smoke around the mountain. And if you could read, would you mind reading Exodus chapter twenty, verse twenty? Moses said to the people. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, So Moses approached the mountain, and the Lord spoke to him. And in Exodus chapter 20, verses 22 through 24, tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourself that I have spoken to you from heaven. 
Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. And that's especially important, the part with uh, do not make for yourself God, yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Because in the next chapter or so, that's going to come into play. So God already knows what's coming up. False idols. Yeah, those false idols. In the notes, why were specific directions given for building altars? God's people had no Bible and few religious traditions to learn from. God had to start from scratch and teach them how to worship him. God gave specific instructions about building altars because he wanted to control the way sacrifices were offered. To prevent idolatry from creeping into worship, God did not allow the altar stones to be cut or shaped into any form, nor did God let the people build an altar just anywhere. This was designed to prevent them from starting their own religions or making changes in the way God wanted things done. God is not against creativity, but he is against us creating, creating our own religion. And that's exactly what's happening um, in throughout the rest of, of Exodus. Is it, God has to specifically outline, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to do it. And he, he just, it's, it's very specific, the, the instructions he provides for the Israelites. And that's all I had for chapters 19 and 20. Well, that wasn't so bad. No. Did you have any questions or comments or anything? Hmm. Do I? No. No? No. Before we end, I just thank you because I really do appreciate you you helping out and joining the podcast for, for this session. You're welcome. It was enjoyable. All I wanted was just an honest conversation and that's exactly what we got. And are you telling the truth? No, I am. I wouldn't lie. One thing you have to know, we are brutally honest on this podcast. In Good. life, no. But on the podcast, yes. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We should be honest. No, 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 no. Um, we're not, we don't kind of, we don't mess around. So No, no I, asked all the, I asked all the questions I had and I learned. Good. And you also allowed me to kind of step out of my comfort zone because Amy and I, we're kind of used to playing off each other and doing things a specific way. So when you were asking me questions and I didn't know exactly how to answer them or mm. what the answer was. So that helped me too. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. I'm not sure what I all have to offer in terms of your listeners, but, but they are going to glean from my inter interaction with you because it was minimal, but I was, I was happy to participate. No, you know what I think is, is good is like I said at the beginning, I mean, anyone can listen to this, but I would imagine it's primarily people who are new to the Bible, mm. maybe have never read it or have just kind of know a little bit about it. So you you are part of the group. Mm. True. So that's just making everyone comfortable. Good. Because I think you're just asking questions that everyone's asking. I'm just trying to be pragmatic. There we are. Um so here's some information we always provide. If you would like to visit our Facebook page, it is facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy. Our email is basicbiblestudy19, the number 19, at gmail.com. And our website is mybasicbiblestudy.com, and you can find all those links on the website. Now for next time. 
Mm. I don't know if you'll be joining us next time. Possibly. We don't know. We'll see how the strep throat goes. We'll see how the strep throat goes. We are going to be reading... Sorry to interrupt. We are going to be focusing on Exodus chapters 21 through 29 for our next session. Just wanted to update that. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. I hope Amy's back. I'm sure she will be. Otherwise, you're going to have to maybe do 21 through 25 for me. Well, whatever whatever works. It, it's a lot of detailed instructions on how the Israelites are to build certain things. Mm. So we're not going to be going very in-depth with each passage. Whereas with the Ten Commandments, you kind of want to take your time with each one. Okay. Like, I don't think we specifically need to go over, okay, the dimensions of the tabernacle are, you know, 400 feet wide by blah, 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 and... I just don't see that being as necessary. Okay. So we can kind of go through a little bit quicker some of those those chapters. Well, if Amy is not up to it when next you need to record, I would be happy to participate. For real? That's very sweet of For you. For real. I extend that invitation to you. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Anything you want to say? I enjoyed myself. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so thanks, everyone, for, for joining us. And we will catch you guys next time. Thank you.